0: This is lead minister Nathan Pelahowski of RSEC. I just want to welcome you to the RSEC podcast. Here's something I want you to know. I want you to know that you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says that you matter when he sent his son Jesus to die for us. Today I hope this message challenges you and encourages you to take your next faith step. Good morning. Welcome to church. Can we give the worship team a round of applause one more time? Here, There you go. That last clap you guys gave was like a golf clap, so we had to do that right. Hey, uh, my name is Nathan. It is awesome to be with you guys. We are in the final week of this series called Go and Be, but we'll get to that in a second uh, today. When you leave, we're going to hand you uh, one of these magnets. And this kind of, it says RSCU Matter, and then it has like a little map of of rising sun on it in this area. And the reason we're giving you this is yes, the series Go and Be is over, but when you go home, we want you to put this somewhere on your refrigerator, on your mailbox, anywhere that can stick, you know, that's magnetic, stick it. And it'll remind you uh, to go and be and to keep that in our mind that we want to take Jesus' for, uh, final words and make them our first work. Also, next week, we have the chili cook-off. And uh, like I told first service, some of you have prayed years, your entire life, uh, for God, to send the Bengal to the Super Bowl, right? So he answered your prayer. Now you can show up for the chili cook-off next week, right? So, and so it's right after service. The best chili will have like three or four judges, and the best chili will win a $150 gift card to... Um, Amazon, sorry, I can't even think of it, right? $150 gift card, Amazon. I'll be one of the judges, just so you know, I don't like Skyline, so you got Skyline, Chile, you probably won't win my vote. But anyways, all right. And one more thing, um, exciting news, is every deacon and elder that was up for um, maybe re-election or be on the board, on the board for the first time, uh, all of them made it with a like 95% or higher vote, so we're gonna clap for that. That is awesome. Uh, we, we'll introduce them all next week or the following week, but uh, today we got to end this series. And uh, I kind of have a, a dilemma. You know, we, we tried to get the, the snow plows out here, and they couldn't get it all snow plowed because of the ice. So I got a couple options. Uh, I could have sent you home, sent first ho- uh, service home early, or we're gonna do the alternative. We're gonna preach so long today that the ice is gonna melt because I want you all to be safe. So uh, just buckle up today. But hey, for real, this sermon that we're about to have today. I believe no matter where you are in your faith walk, this could be the sermon, the conversation that changes the direction of your faith. It could be the one thing, the one discipline or one idea that truly allows your faith to grow if applied to your life. No matter where you are, if you're just starting, you're brand new, you may be doubting, or maybe your faith has been up and down, this, what we're going to cover, is the secret Uh, the secret to stay connected, the secret of how do I keep my faith strong? How do I continue to be who Christ has called me to do? So what I wanna do today is I wanna start with with a verse. Uh, If you got your Bibles, it's gonna be in 1 John, uh, it's gonna be, sorry, John 15. If you have the RSCC app, uh, these will be in there and notes will be in there. But this is what it says. This is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine. you can do nothing. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful for this day. We are so thankful that we made it here safely. We, we are thankful that we get to be in your presence and, and worship you, Father, today. As we have this conversation, as we wrap up this series, we pray that you speak to us, that, that you work in our lives and maybe you move us or open our eyes to something, or our hearts to something that you wanna say to us or, or work through us in a new way, Father. And, and today we pray my words are your words. It's your name we pray, amen. So recently I was listening to someone and he was talking about this word. And he says, I can give you one word that will change your life. One word that will have an impact on your life, um, impact on your faith life, your spiritual life, your business life, your your relationship, your marriage, how you parent, um, sports. He's like, this one word will greatly impact your entire life. And it's a word that nobody thinks about. And he said, the word is so simple. The word is consistency. Everybody say that with me, consistency. Consistency consistency. And he says, that word right there, that little word, consistency, will change the course of your life. It has a greater, it can greatly impact your life more than many other words. And then I started thinking about that. If that's the case, if consistency is the secret, he goes, and it's the secret to success. And then he started to talk about how many people, if that's the case, are in trouble. Because we're inconsistent. We're inconsistent with our diets or our workout routines. We're inconsistent with, with church or, or praying or reading. We're inconsistent with our emotions. We're inconsistent with our relationships. We're inconsistent with our hobbies and our habits. He's like, if, if you're good at anything it's, or consistent with anything, it's that you're, you're consistently inconsistent. And then he went on to say this, and I love this line. And he goes, why this matters to you, why it matters to me, he says, because successful people Consistently do what other people only do occasionally. And I love that. Successful people do what other, do what other people do okay, occasionally. They do it consistently. He's like, they're consistent. And he goes, here's the secret to your life. You're not what you do occasionally. You're what you do consistently. And, and it's this idea, it's not about what we do occasionally that makes a difference. It's what we do consistently. Think about, think about fitness, if you occasionally hit the gym or occasionally do cardio, it's really not going to make a difference. It's what you do consistently. And what we do occasionally. Is not what makes a difference. It's consistently. And same with our faith and same with our life. Like think about Tom Brady. He just retired. He consistently did what others only did occasionally. Musicians or bands, they consistently put out good music that other people only put out occasionally. And in our faith, it's consistency. Consistency in going to church and being in church, consistently praying, consistently, you know, reading scripture, consistently doing the spiritual disciplines. And what we need to do is, and it's the secret to our faith, is we need to consistently stay connected to Christ. Consistently. Consistency is the key. Being consistent in your faith is so much more important than we, we talk about. So let's talk about this. So today is February, I believe it's February 6th. February sixth, I want to ask a question. How many of you started New Year's resolutions? Anybody in here? How many on, on January first? Okay. Nobody started New Year's resolutions in RSCC, so awesome, right? So maybe how many of you started goals to start off the new year? Anybody? Okay, great. You guys are really awake participating today. I love it, right? So we're staying along today. But hey, so we start goals. We we start in January. And hey, you got goals, even if you didn't raise your hand, you got some goals or Resolutions, whatever you want to call them. And you're like, it's January, it's awesome. Let's, let's play it in the context of faith. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to listen to more Christian music, you know. And it's awesome. And he's like, I'm fired up. But time happens, and here's what's going to happen. Pretty soon, that snow outside is going to melt. It's going to get real warm outside, and, and sports are going to start it up, and, and life is going to go on. And all of a sudden, that passion and enthusiasm, you're like, yes, let's go and be. I got my magnet. They gave it to me at church. I'm going to put it on my fridge. I'm going to be dedicated to it. And then time happens. Enthusiasm and passion, the consistency fades away. Or maybe you, you, you're a Christian. You're like, I don't, I don't know how, how long I've been a follower of Jesus, but a long time. I've been here since I was born, right? And, and like, you know, I started out on fire. I started out with a passion. But time goes by and, and things happen. And that fire that you once had and that consistency you once had now, now fades. And one of my favorite quotes ever is that the enemy of passion and enthusiasm is time. The passion, the enemy of passion and enthusiasm is time. So this week, I was reading this article about about this idea of passion and enthusiasm and attention spans. And they started doing this research, and they said, I don't know how they figured this out, but they said the average person's attention span, do you know how long it is? Eight seconds. Eight seconds, all right? So eight seconds. Do you know what, I don't know how they figured this out, but do you know what the attention span of a goldfish is said to be? Nine seconds, right? And some of you missed that because you stopped paying attention like eight seconds ago, right? Like you're still on the first slide of Go and Be. You're like, hey, what's he talking about, right? Like we, 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 we have this ability in us that over time, over time humans have this ability to take something really good and, and really great and, and like it loses its fizzle. And we have this ability to become, at one time, becoming passionate and enthusiastic and consistent, but over time, we lose passion, we lose enthusiasm, and we lose consistency. And I would be lying to you if I didn't tell you, for some people, maybe all of us, that's how faith is. That, that, that there's these waves of come and go. And that's how life is. and That's how we're wired. But our faith comes and goes. And we're consistent. We're not consistent. And we're, we're passionate. We're not passionate. We're enthusiastic. We're not enthusiastic. But here's what happens is over time, circumstances happen. And life happens. And, and we drift. And the scariest part about drifting is sometimes we don't even notice we've drifted. You don't even realize it. It, it just kind of, boom, man, what happened? I, and I got the perfect illustration of this uh, just the uh, other day at my house about a week ago. So, what happens in a Pelahowski household is I often get kicked out of my bedroom. Um, not because Whitney's mad, because I'm a snorer. I, I wear a CPAP. Any other CPAP wearers out there, right? If you do, you feel my pain. Like, I thought that was only for old people, and I got it like at 28. Right? So, I, I'm like, what is going on here? I hate it. I absolutely hate it, but I have to wear it because I stop breathing. And, and the other thing is, he's like, uh, Nathan, the doctor told me, he's like, you are a nine out of 10 on the you know, loudness level. He's like, you can sleep in your basement and your next door neighbors will hear you, right? So I have to wear it or Whitney kicks me out of the room, but I try to take it off as much as I possibly can. It's like, dude, I'd rather sleep in peace than not breathe. I don't know, like I just hate it I can't stand it. And it's like Whitney has an alarm in her head. As soon as I take it off, she kicks me out, right? It's like, boom, get out of the room, right? And so she, one night that happened, I go into the guest bedroom, I, I grab my glasses, head into the guest bedroom. And I'm also, um, I'm a midnight snacker. Anybody else? Like, I I love eating in the middle of the night. So I'll wake up at 2, 3, 4 uh, a.m., I'll want something to eat. So I was doing that, and I wear glasses and contacts, so... um I didn't wear my glasses. I kind of, I got like muscle memory I can find my way to the refrigerator. So I open the refrigerator and I'm looking for something to eat. It's like three in the morning and I find pickles. I'm like, what's better at three in the morning than pickles? Nothing, that's the answer, right? So I I grabbed the pickle, you know, chewing on my pickle and I guess I left the guest bedroom door. You know how you like, you kind of leave it open like this, so the door's just like straight up like this. And instead of being shut or all the way open, it's just halfway open, and, and, and I'm walking at night. I can't see anything, I'm just living the dream, chewing on my pickle in the guest bedroom without my CPAP, right, and, and I'm, I'm walking. And I walk right into that door, square, boom, hits me right in the forehead, right? And I, I'm not kidding you, I thought Mike Tyson broke into my house and punched me, right? That's how bad it was, like, Whoo! it hit me, and, and I'm like, man, I better not have a black eye. Because if I have a black eye, I'm texting Adam and telling him I'm not preaching because I'm not explaining how I got a black eye eating a pickle, walking in the door, right? I'm not doing that. And then I was thinking about this sermon this week and God's like, hey, that's the perfect sermon illustration for faith. Because all of a sudden we're walking, we're living faith and life is going on. You don't even realize it. You're doing good. You're making money. You got the house. You got the cars. You got the body, right? You got everything. And boom, you look at your life. You're like, what happened? It's like, I I haven't been, I, it's February 6th. I haven't been to church since COVID 2020. It's like, and then you realize, like, man, I know my little Bible app. It tells me, like, how many days in a row that I, I read my Bible. It's like zero. It's like, when that happened? I, I can't tell you the last time I prayed. I can't tell you. What happens is we drifted, and we don't even realize it. And throughout scripture, in, in you know, the Old Testament and New Testament, the Old Testament, if you didn't know, it's kind of you know, the creation story and how God's going to redeem the world to the Israelites and how he's working. And he tells the Israelites over and over again, he's like, hey, listen, don't drift from me in the history of the Israelites. And you got the prophets, and all, they've drifted, and God's calling them back. And, and then in the New Testament, there, there's verses that Paul wrote or other letters, or even Jesus talks about this. And, and we're warned, hey, don't drift but the author of Hebrews, he he writes this: he says, We must pay careful attention. He's like, pay attention. No goldfish memory in here. It's like, no goldfish attention attention span. Pay attention. Pay careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard. He's like, You've heard the gospel. You heard what Jesus said. Pay careful attention then. You know this, you know the truth. Pay careful attention not to drift away. Everybody say, drift away. He's like, don't drift away. Don't drift away. Whatever you do, pay careful attention. Pay careful attention. Don't drift away, don't drift away, don't drift away, don't drift away, but here's the reality. We do drift, don't we? We drift, and we don't even realize it. So what I want to do before we even get into what Jesus has to say is I want to look at reasons, and I want to do four reasons. It's not a comprehensive list. I can't go over every reason why we drift, but I want to bring up four areas that I see, I've experienced, because I'm like you guys. Right? I, I do this for a living. Right? So uh, you know, it's, not, it's not like I walk into my, my office every week and the, the Bible's floating over my desk, right? Like I'm so spiritual. No, I struggle with this. And so I wanna talk about real issues that really happen. And there's four areas that I see over and over again. And we're not calling anybody out. We're just speaking truth. So if this is you, if one of these areas are you, we're right here with you, we understand. But here's the four areas I see. One, this is the number one I see from my perspective of standing on the stage, an out-of-control schedule. Meaning Google Calendar, Event Link, our kids' sports, our our calendar rules our life. And throughout the gospel, we're told to redeem time. In the book of Psalms, it says, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our, our hearts unto wisdom. Teach us to live with wisdom in our days. Well, what happens is we get so busy, our lives get so packed and so packed that eventually you can only do so much. So something has to get cut out. And the way I explain it is, and the way I think about it when I work in my schedule is every time I say yes to something, I'm saying no to someone else. Every time I say yes to do this, I'm saying no to something else. And what I, we have to do is we gotta make sure whatever we're saying yes to is more important than what we're saying no to, that our yeses are greater than our nos, right? So you don't wanna say yes to bad things and no to good things, right? You say yes to bad things and get some way of doing good things. But what happens is that we start having to cut areas out. And for whatever reason, what I see people cut out as they start cutting out spiritual disciplines, they're like, well, you know, uh, we tell ourselves to lie. Well, uh, you know, I'm gonna sleep in a little bit today. I'm not gonna do my devotion, but I'll do it later, right? We never do it later, right? It's like the same lie, like, hey, I'll eat unhealthy today, but I'll eat healthy tomorrow, and we just never eat healthy, right? It's, so we're, we start cutting it out, and we start saying, well, I don't have enough time to pray. I don't have enough time for church attendance. I don't have enough time for, you know, doing the devotion. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. So you start cutting out these spiritual disciplines. You start cutting out time with God. And what we do is we set sacrifice the best things in life by spending time on doing things that are just pretty good. Nothing wrong with sports. Nothing wrong with with fun. Nothing wrong with the things that we do. But what we do is it's not an equal trade-off. We're making bad investments. We sacrifice the best things, spending time with God, living the life that God's called us to for pretty good things. And anytime we cut out the the, the pretty good the, the, the best things, of spending time with God and praying, and this what we're doing right now, which is so important, being in community and reading, we start cutting that cutting that out. You will always find yourself drifting. So we got an out of control schedule, and then we have misplaced uh, affections, which meaning. Our hearts start to desire other things. It's this idea of putting something else on the throne. Jesus said that I want to be on the throne of your life. But what happens is we start to put money or success or, or kids or relationships, whatever it may be, we start to place them on the throne instead of, of Jesus, instead of Christ. And, and Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And Jesus like, any time something else is placed on the throne. You have issues. So what we do is we seek first our kingdom and our pleasure. And when you do that, you'll find yourself drifting. And then there's this idea, the number three, of what I call favorite sins. It's the things in our lives that we know we shouldn't be doing, the things that we know that Jesus would not approve of. It goes against the commands of God. It goes against the commands of Jesus. But we like doing it. It feels good. It makes us happy. And then over time, these things start to not be such a big deal. Over time, you start to think, well, is it really that big deal? If I'm happy, doesn't God want me happy? It's this idea that, like, hey, maybe this isn't a sin anymore. And what sin does is sin pulls us further and further and further and further and further from God. And what happens is these favorite sins all of a sudden become unrepentant sins or unconfessed sins. And God is very clear that He cannot work in our lives when we have unrepentant sin and unconfessed sin. So we have these favorite sins and they pull us further and further from God. And then we have the tough one: change of circumstance. And there's really two ways this plays out. And the first one I I totally understand: you have something happen, someone gets sick or someone that you love dies, you get sick, you get cancer, you lose your job, you get a divorce. Things happen, life gets hard, and all of a sudden, you you had this strong faith, but your foundation was rocked, your world was rocked, and you start to doubt, and you start to drift, and you start to say, is God real, you have those questions, and we totally understand that, and so there's that aspect. But then there's the opposite aspect that we don't really think about is people come to God at their lowest, or they come to church at their lowest, and they're in a low spot, and, and then they're like, I need to give my life to God, I need to give my life to Christ, and they start going to church, and reading their scriptures, and praying, and things in their life start to get better. Maybe, cert- they, maybe they don't, their circumstances don't change, but their life starts to get better, and God is working in our lives, because we believe when God's in our lives, life gets better, and it starts to get better, and all of a sudden, I see it over and over again. Things get better, things get to a point where they say, you know what? I'm pretty good now. And then they leave. Stop going to church, stop praying, stop, stop reading the Bible, and that will cause you to drift. So all these reasons cause us to drift. And there's many more reasons and there are many other reasons. And, and these, aren't, these don't even mention why people don't believe. These don't even mention why, you know, other things. But these are pretty good four topics or areas that we see people drifting. So the question becomes, how do I stay consistent in my faith? How do I not drift? Because if you've been a Christian long enough, you're gonna fight this temptation to drift. There's gonna be something inside of you that you're wired that's gonna say, hey, I'm going to pull. It's, it's just gonna pull you, it's just gonna pull you. So I wanna look at the words of Jesus. I wanna take you to the Last Supper and it's called the Last Supper because it's the Last Supper that Jesus has with his disciples. And in this, in this John chapter 15, it starts in John chapter 13, the Last Supper does. And then in John chapter 18, Jesus is arrested, and eventually Jesus will be crucified. And so in the Last Supper, this is really, it's not his parting words, but in some ways it is. It's like, hey, I don't have time to tell you everything after I rise from the grave, but I want to tell you now. And in the Last Supper, he gives seven I Am statements. I I am the, the bread of life, and he says all these things, I am, I am, and he's telling his disciples who he is. Well, what we read today, to start off today, was one of those I am statements. So we go back to it, and this is what Jesus said. And I want you to notice the word that's highlighted, remain, and here's what it says. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So this is what Jesus does, and it's so cool. He was such a dynamic and great teacher at the time, and he used everybody's like, Why do you use such simple illustrations? Because look, Jesus uses simple illustrations. I call this street-level simplicity. He looks around and he looks around and he sees some vines and he sees some branches. He goes, Listen, guys, I'm not going to be here much longer. Peter, are you paying attention? Matthew, you paying attention? James, John, you paying attention? Pay attention. I am the vine. I am the vine, you are the branches. I am the vine, you are the branches. You need to remain in me, and I in you. He's like, it's so simple, I'm gonna be gone, here's what I want you to do. I want you to remain in me. Here's uh, Peter, Peter, listen, Peter, nothing else. I want you to remain in me. Some translations say abide in me, which literally means stay put. He's like, I'm going to physically be gone. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to race from the the grave. And I'm going to send to the Father. I am no longer going to physically be with you. I am no longer going to be in your physical presence. And when I'm gone, here's what I need you to do. He's like, it's so simple, so simple, so simple, so simple. Remain in me. And here's what he's saying. I need you to do the things I've told you to do. I need you to live out what you have seen. I need you to keep my commands. In verse 10, he says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. And if you're in my love, you're remaining in me, just as I have kept my father's commands and I remain in him. He's like, guys, I'm gonna be gone and and how you're gonna remain in me is by living out the life I've called you to live. It starts with loving the Lord your God with all your mind, all your heart, all your soul and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. He's like, love God and love other people. And he's like, just remain in me. So for you and me, it's like, listen, we gotta love God, we gotta love people, we gotta read our Bibles, we gotta pray, we gotta go to church, we gotta be involved in the community. He's like, live out your faith, and that is how you—that is how you remain in me. I'm gonna be gone you want to go and be he says remain in me that's the secret you want to know how you won't drift you want to know how how your faith will stay strong remain in me want to know how you'll get through those sins and those tough times and and how you get through your circumstances and how you get through your busy schedules and how you get through wanting to put something else on the throne he's like remain in me and i love this quote it says hour by hour Abiding or remaining in Jesus means hour by hour, trusting him to meet our needs and be all our treasure. This is what we so get wrong. We're like, hey, go get people, go baptize people, and we baptize them, and we're like, that's the finish line. That's not the finish line. That's the starting line. And what happens is we got to do this every day. And just like you want to, if you want to be fit, just like if you want to grow in knowledge, just like if you want to be successful, every day you have to take steps to be consistently, to do things consistently, to be, be stay fit, to be success, successful in your job. But in our faith, it's day by day, hour by hour, deciding that I'm going to remain in Jesus' commands. I'm going to live it out. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to be involved in the community. Not because I, I have to, but because I want to remain in Jesus. And so many times we try to complicate this. We tell people, hey, look a certain way. Just a certain way. Act a certain way. And yes, there's transformation that happens, but we're like, hey, do this and do that and do this. Church can't look like this and church can't look like that. And we got to sing this and do that. And Jesus says, listen listen, that's not what I said. He says, I I keep it simple. Street level simplicity. Remain in me. All he wants his disciples to do is remain in him. Because here's what he knows is going to happen. After this dinner, he knows that he's going to be arrested. And he knows that his disciples are going to watch him publicly be crucified on a hill. And when they see him being crucified, and they see people mocking him, they're going to want to leave they're going to want to go back to their old life. They're going to want to go back to their old circumstances. They're going to want to go back to their favorite sins. They're going to occupy their schedules with things that aren't what Jesus wants them to do. And the perfect example of this is just after this dinner, there's a disciple named Peter, the most well-known disciple. Jesus is arrested, and people come up to him and say, hey, you've been with Jesus, you've been with Jesus, you've been with Jesus, and three times... He denies him. Peter disconnected from Jesus as fast as he possibly could after having a front row seat for three and a half years to everything Jesus has done. Jesus knows what we know about ourselves. So when our circumstances change, our schedules get busy, when our life, when when we're tempted to do things, when we're we're living in sin, we're going to want to disconnect. And Jesus, listen. Listen. I know, I know you're going to want to do it. It's so human of you. He's like, by 2022, you're going to have an attention span of a goldfish. He's like, I understand. So let me keep it simple. Three words. Remain in me. And then he goes back in verse five. He's like, just to be clear, guys, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me, I'll remain in you. It's, it's a partnership here. It, it, it's this, this close-level partnership. It's this, this relationship. And that's why I love this illustration. It's total dependence on one another. He like, said, if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. In me, you got fruit. Apart from me, you got nothing. And at this time, I, I think maybe the disciples, and we don't know this for sure, but I, I think maybe this clicked in the disciples' mind. Because earlier, Jesus says, I am the true vine. And, And these disciples, they would have known a little bit about history. They would have known the Old Testament Torah. They would have known the history of Israel. And they would have known that in the Old Testament, maybe you knew this, that Israel was called the vine. But they could not, but they failed to bear fruit for glory of God. So God promised that one day, a true vine would come, a vine who would be truly fruitful. And maybe this clicked in their minds, but if it didn't, it gets to click in our mind. Jesus is saying, I'm not just another teacher. I'm not just another way of life. I am the way. I am the teacher. I am the one that God had promised. So you need to stay connected to me because your power comes from me. I know we, we don't really work with vines and, and branches, so let me say it this way. Jesus like, I am your phone charger. You are the phone. You will have no power except if you are charged to me. At this point in that illustration, every single one of us, especially millennials and older, we like, okay, if Jesus is the way to charge my phone, I'm staying connected to him because there's nothing worse than a dead phone, right? right? There's nothing worse than it. So stay connected. And what Jesus is saying, if you stay connected to me, You're going to have power to produce fruit in your life and stay consistent in your faith. You're going to produce something. He says you're going to produce fruit because good branches produce fruit. I'm not a gardener. I don't like gardening, but I know that good branches produce fruit. Trees produce leaves. Grape grape vines produce grapes. Apple trees produce apples, right? It branches produce fruit and a fruit the fruit the, this idea is this it describes a person's outward actions that result from the condition of the heart it's this idea that you've been changed on the inside so what jesus is saying is like listen when you're with me you're going to have fruit he's not going to say he's not saying that amazon's going to ship watermelon and strawberries to your house right bezos isn't giving nothing for free away but here's what he's saying he's saying listen you're connected to me your heart is going to change there's going to be something that changes in your Life, and he's like, There's gonna be fruit. So the question becomes, How do I know if I have fruit? How do I know what this fruit is? Because we probably think it's this deep theological answer. But this fruit is street level simplicity. Here's what, here's the measuring stick it's called the fruit of the Spirit love, love, right? We talk about that a lot, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these such things, there is no law. And as you read these words, love, peace, joy, as you say them and read them, you're like, I want some of that. The people in your life Wants you to be these things. Whitney wants me to be these things. Your spouse wants you to be these things. This is the fruit. When you're with Jesus, here's what's going to happen. When you're connected, you're going to be loving, you're going to be joyful, you're going to be peace, you're going to be forbearance. Why is it some of the most grumpy people in the world are Christians, right? Why is it? It's because they're not connected. Forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. That's the fruit. Jesus, like you want to, when you're connected to me. This will be the product from your heart. This is the way you're living. And what he's saying is like you want to know the secret to being a good spouse. Stay connected. You want to you want to, you want to know the secret to loving people that you can't stand? Stay connected. You want to know the secret to forgiving that person who hurts you? Stay connected. You want to know the secret to being a godly parent, the type of parent you've always wanted to be? Stay connected. Because when you're connected with Jesus, here's the so key, you produce the fruit that only Jesus can give. When you're connected to the vine, you can produce fruit that you can't get anywhere else. You can't get true love outside of Jesus. Joy, peace, self-control. You look at the world much? Look, does that describe the world? Because when you're connected, Something happens. When when you're connected, something happens that that produces out of you. Jesus produces fruit out of you that you won't naturally produce yourself. So the question is, I think it's an important question, is what kind of fruit am I bearing? Because if you want to go and be, if I want to go and be, people better look at us and see love, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control, gentleness, you know, forbearance. They better see that. What kind of fruit am I bearing? When people interact with you, what kind of fruit are they seeing? And the, the hard thing is only you really know because you can fake joy. You can fake kindness. You can fake love. You can fake it till you make it. But it's not real. The real fruit comes from Jesus. And then Jesus gives, he's like, you gotta know what kind of fruit you're bearing. And then he gets up in our grill. And he says, apart from me, you can do, he doesn't say a little, doesn't say a few things. He says, you can do nothing. And then we read that, we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Jesus, I know a lot of people. Matter of fact, I, the richest people I know, the most successful people I know, Jesus, they're not connected to you. As so, a matter of fact, they're producing a lot of things. Nicer house than me, nicer car than me. They're making that bread, right? They're out there living that life. He's like, we got the island boys. They're more, they, can't, they have no talent. They're making more money than me. I see a lot of people producing something. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I didn't say you couldn't have worldly momentary success. I didn't say you, you couldn't be successful from the, the standards of the world. Here's what he's saying. I said, I said, you can't produce fruit that eternally matters. He's like, yeah, they can have their fun for 90 years and at the end of their life, they can't take any of it with them. He's like, you won't produce any fruit that eternally matters. He's like, at the end of your life, you'll feel empty. At the end of the day, you'll feel empty because you're not producing anything that actually matters. He's like, so you gotta stay connected. And connection is the key. Growing up, I really loved history, and I still love history, and I don't know why, it's just the way my mind works, but uh, anybody ever watched that show growing up called Unsolved Mysteries with that creepy old guy, right? Yeah, like that dude, you, like, you like, your parents were like, hey, I'm going to turn on Unsolved Mysteries if you keep being bad and give you nightmares, right? Like that dude is creepy, all right? So uh, I loved history, and one day they were talking about a mystery in history, and you know, that creepy guy's voice, he's telling you the story, it's like, man, that's really scary, but it was about this woman named Amelia Earhart. Amelia Earhart was a pilot, and, and she did, you know, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal now, but she would do these, these, these kind of um, tasks or these accomplishments or these goals in an airplane that no one had done at the time or a woman had, hadn't done. And in 1937, she, she wanted to fly around the world, right? So she was flying around the world, and it was going good for a while, uh, but somewhere over the Pacific Ocean in 1937, something happened, which, w- which was the worst possible thing that could happen to her. She lost connection with her team. She lost connection with radio control, and no longer could they talk, what, talk to each other. It started cutting out slowly, but over time, they completely lost like signal. They lost connection with her. And somewhere in that Pacific Ocean, she crashed. And they've never, to this day, they they think they found her and they say she was here or there. They've never found her location. They don't really know what happened. But the story... The point is, like, we don't know because she lost connection. The connection, the loss of connection was deadly. And what Jesus is saying is, like, listen, here's what's at stake. When you lose connection with me, it's deadly. It's not that you won't be successful. It's not that you won't have some fun. It's that you'll have a life that doesn't have any eternal purpose. And he goes, life is more than what happens in this 90 years on this earth. There's so much more at stake. It's like, if you're living and you lose connection to me, that's what's at stake. And he goes on to say that in verse 6. He's like, if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. He's like, you know what you do with branches? What do you do with branches that that are dead? You pick them up, and if you live in town, it's awesome. You put them on the, the side of the road, and the town comes and picks them up, right? But if you live in the country, what you do, you throw them in a, a, a pile, and eventually you're going to burn that pile. He's like, Branches without life are useless. And he says, they're thro- they wither away, and these branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. He's like, they're useless. They're useless. And when you're a follower of mine, and you're a disciple of mine, and you're producing no fruit, you're like a branch that withers away. He's like, you're not really following, you're not producing anything, and you're in the most deadly spot you could ever be. Because branches that, that don't produce fruit, branches that, that don't stay connected, wither away. And throw it in the fire and burn. And you know what imagery he's using here. So here's what he's saying: Street level simplicity. I don't want that to happen to you. Everybody says, like, that is so hateful, that is so judgmental. Listen, Jesus, is like, listen, I don't want that to happen to you. So I'm gonna keep it so simple. Remain in me. You hear anything else? Remain in me. Because he's saying, if there's a problem with the connection, there's a problem with anything, everything else. So remain in me. And we hear that, and we're like, okay, awesome. So simple. Remain in me. I can remember that. I can remember that. Remain in me, remain in me, remain in me, remain in me. But here's what happens. Go back to what we started with. We slowly start to drift. Choice by choice and day by day, we disconnect from him. It's six weeks. Of sports it becomes six months. It becomes six years. It's one image, one time, then a couple more Im- images the next day, and then the next week, and the next week, and then all of a sudden you're addicted to look at things you know you shouldn't look at. It's one compromise here, one compromise there, and we slowly, choice by choice, day by day, disconnect from him. And it's kind of like this. Have you ever been to the beach? Like, you know, you, you set up all your stuff on the beach and like you got, your own, you got your cooler, you got your whatever you bring to the beach, you're, you're looking good. You got your sunscreen because we're from, you know, we're from Indiana. We don't get the sun all the time. So if we don't have sunscreen on, we'll look like the lobsters. So we got, you know, we put it right here. And what happens is over time, like, we started here, we get in the water, we start swimming, boogie boarding, you know, whatever you're doing, I don't know what you're doing, right? And, and then over time, 10, 15 minutes go by, and you don't even realize it, but that current has pushed you so far over here, right? He's like, how in the world did I get here, right? Like, you're just having fun with the dolphins, and you're like, I'm so far from my stuff, I don't even know where I am. And that's what happens is we just slowly drift. And so what I wanna to do today is, I was like, I could tell you, like, I, I could give the cliche answers, hey, um, here's how you don't drift. Just read your Bible, right? And that would be right, right? Or I could say, hey, uh, just pray more, and that would be correct. I could say, just go to church more, and that would be correct. But what I wanna do is I wanna give you something practical. And it may not be practical to you, but it's, it, it's something I wanna do because if we don't consistently take steps to remain, we will always drift back towards this connection. If you're not consistently taking steps, you will drift away. So here's something I do that I learned from me. And I want to just give you a tool that works for me. Because I can say pray more, go to church more, and read your Bible more, all of true. But I want, to te- I want to teach you a prayer. And it's not my own prayer, it's a prayer from Psalm 139. You don't have to say it word for word, but it's this idea of waking up and proactively. It's not just prayer, but it's communicating to God. And here's what the prayer says: it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Where does fruit come? Fruit comes from the heart, right? Know my heart, right? And, and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and leads me along the path of everlasting. Here's what we do. You want to you stop drifting? You want to stay connected? You say, God, I want you to search me. You know what's going on in here. You know my heart. I want you to search me. And I want you to point out anything in my life that's getting in the way any sins, any scheduling, any affections, any circumstances that are causing me to disconnect from you. And I want you to point them out because God, I want to stay connected to you because you are my power source. You are what makes life better. You are the way I produce fruit. God, I want to do everything I can to produce fruit. So God, please point it out. Make it clear to me. I need signs. I need signals. God, point out anything in my life that's getting in the way. And Jesus says, what happens when you do that? He says in verse two, he's like, the father, the gardener, he cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. Right? So he's like, if you bear no fruit, you're cut off. But, well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it can produce more fruit. When you pray that prayer and you get in this mindset, God, point out anything in me that gets in your way, God will start cutting. He'll start cutting things out like sin, mindsets, addictions, affections, attitudes that get in the way. And he does that so he can produce fruit. This series is called Go and Be. But you can't be if you're not connected. And I wanna remind you why, why this series is so important, why I want to end with this, is because we truly wanna see people saved through Jesus Christ. We believe we live in a hurting and broken world. And we believe that there are people in this community every week who are living in darkness without Christ. There are kids in this school system. If you don't know, call CMHC up, they'll tell you. They're thinking about taking their lives every single day because they don't feel valued and loved. We can do that. We can value them. We can love them. There are people you love who are going to spend eternity somewhere, either with Jesus or away from Jesus. There are people who need to hear the gospel. So we need to make sure we're remaining so we can go reach those people because they depend on us. They need us. And I want to say it this way, to just wrap this series up on this next slide. They need us to go and be. They need us to. It's not a matter if you want. They need us to. They need us to. It's it's too risky not to. They need us to. And you need to go so they can hear. But you need to be so you're able to go. Because you can't go if you're not able to go. And you can't be if you're not ready to be. But you can only be when something happens in your life, when you're transformed, you can only be when you're connected to the vine. And that's how this all comes together. The world needs us. Not Nathan and because I'm, I'm talented, or not you because you're talented, but we have the good news because we've been connected to the vine and we know the good news. And we're saying we're not gonna drift from it. We're gonna share that news with everybody we know because we want everybody to be and know Jesus. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful for who you are. We're so thankful that you are the vine and you call us to be your branches. You call us to connect to you. You call us to be in relationship with you, God. So we thank you for that. And we pray that, that you allow us and help us just can stay connected to you, Father. And at this time, I want to say if there's anyone here who the first time says, I want to be a branch that produces fruit, and they want to give their life to Christ, and we'll meet you back here in the back of the room. And we would love to pray for you and have a conversation with you. Father, but I, I pray that we remain a church that abides in you, produces fruit, so we're able to go and be who you need us to be. It's in your name we pray. Amen been great hanging out with you guys today. I hope that message challenges you and encourages you today. We would love to have you on campus sometime at one of our services at 8 30 or ten forty-five on Sunday or to find out more information about RSEC you can always go to the RSEC family app or follow us on any social media platform at RSEC family. Most of all remember you matter not because I say you matter but because God says you matter. Now go and be blessed.